You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Thank you for joining us today on The Elephant Test. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and uh, joining us is Laura Patterson. Laura Patterson is the president of Vision Edge Marketing and uh, recognized as one of the pioneers and authorities in marketing performance management. Laura, great to have you on today. Excited to talk about upstream and downstream marketing. Thank you, Sky, for having me back. It's a, a real honor to be a part of the Elephant Test, and I am really excited about this topic. Ooh, I almost forgot, Laura, you are our first uh, repeat guest. We've had one guest that did uh, back-to-back episodes because there was so much to talk about, but um, you're the first guest to come back uh, for a second subject. So, yay, we'll insert the sound of uh, some sort of uh, party here. Well, and I'm glad that, that, that I hope the first segment was well-received, and I hope this one will be just as well-received. Uh, and any company that is trying to grow, I think this will be really relevant for them. Excellent. So upstream, downstream marketing, let's jump straight into that. I think the first time we spoke, we kind of covered your background a little bit and stuff. Uh, so we'll, we'll hop right over that and directly into the subject matter here of upstream, downstream marketing. Can you tell me and tell the audience kind of what upstream, downstream marketing is and why it matters? Great. I'm going to answer the why it matters, and then we're going to get into what it is, because I really want folks to understand that if they're on any kind of trajectory for growth, or they have any kind of a mandate, whether it's from their board or from their leadership team or just internally that they want to grow, to do that well takes a number of factors of which upstream marketing is a critical part. Um, succeeding at growth, you know, it's not that easy. And that's why so many companies go the M&A route. But if you want to do it organically, you kind of have to think very differently. And that's where the role of upstream marketing comes into play. Yeah, as a data company, those M&A companies drive us crazy because they're constantly buying companies up. And it just makes it really hard to keep our data clean. Say, oh, now this company is part of this company, part of this company, part of this company. I I wish they would stop doing that. Well, it's challenging for all of us who service organizations that go through any kind of M&A integration because it has a tendency to put people in sort of um, a delay mode as they try to do all that integration. But succeeding at organic growth, I mean... I'm sorry, marketing to people that are in the middle of a merger is the worst. Yeah. Yeah. We're merging, check back in a month, and then two years later, they're like, yeah, we're still merging. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You are so right, Sky. Yes, uh, we have had that same experience. But today... I know that's a distraction. I know that's a a side thing, but uh, so... Upstream marketing, back to that. Yes. Well, I think, no, this is really an important point that you're bringing up. Um, today, there is more pressure at the at, uh, for organic growth because a lot of people have done the mergers and acquisitions, and now they're saying, okay, show us that you can actually now grow. So growing takes being customer-centric. It really takes uh, solving um, customers' material problems, and it takes having insights into your customers. Who are they? What do they want? When do they want it? Which means you have to have a strategy, right? And all those things, those are all linked to marketing. And so when you think about what I just said, customer-centric, solving a customer's material problem, having insights, having a strategy, then then you're thinking in terms of marketing. Um, Because again, 
in order to accelerate and succeed at organic growth, you've got to be able to create a competitive advantage. You have to have continuous innovation and really, really the ability to do solid segmentation. To put it in a little bit of a nutshell here, when you're when you're saying upstream marketing, that's really the long-term kind of uh, making sure the, the boat is pointed in the right direction moving forward. Um, the, the big plan kind of stuff. And then downstream is more of the direct sales support in the trenches type work. Am I, I Googled it to try to make sure I was, I was able to. Uh... <laughs> well, you're very smart. So Dr. Ram uh, Sharon, he wrote a book called Profitable Growth is Everyone's Business. So I know you love to hear about books to read. And so I would recommend anyone that's thinking about this upstream, downstream and organic growth combination. That's a great book. And the way that, that the book articulates it is that upstream to your point is the strategic uh, aspect of identifying and fulfilling customer needs. So to do that, you really have to be good at segmentation. You have to be really good at customer insights. You have to be really good at creating a customer, uh, a competitive advantage. Downstream would then be the executional efforts that involve uh, connecting contacting and engaging prospects and customers in order to get them to adopt. So a, a way that I like to think about it is upstreams is where you would define your company's value proposition. Downstream is where you would support it. Upstream is where you would direct the innovation process to make sure that you're get, uh, reversing the value chain and bringing products to market that customers want. Downstream would be all your lead gen programs. Right. So upstream is like um, that you're talking about uh, market research, about product development, all, all that kind of stuff. And, and, brand. And, yes. And things like data, the, things like competitive intelligence, segmentation, differentiation, customer insights, very data and analytically intensive uh, work. But downstream has data and analytic intensive work, but it's more around the activities like getting the content right, um, getting, you know, matching touch points and channels with customers. So they, they use many of the same ingredients, but they have a different perspective or point of view. So for example, in the world of metrics, upstream you would be thinking about like, how do I how are we going to own this category? What do we have to do to increase customer lifetime value? How do I get more of my customer share of wallet? Downstream marketing people tend to focus on those things like uh, SEO rankings and how many contacts were converted were added to the pipeline and what was the conversion rate? Those kinds of questions. So you need both, but you're definitely thinking that in the upstream, it's all about long-term sustainable growth. And so basically, I mean, if you make a mistake and you're up upstream, it's like you're you're driving the Titanic. If you make a mistake there, um, you know the downstream people can't really fix it. If you get the wrong target list to target. And you do all your marketing and the downstream people trying to, you know, handle what clicks they're getting on contacts when it's not the right contacts. Anyway, it's, it's uh, I guess you have to get the upstream right first. Absolutely. If you don't, if you, here's a uh, kind of an example or a story. I know how much you love stories. So I have a story that uh, I often tell um, that helps, I think, people understand upstream and downstream. And then I'm going to kind of go back to what the I'll make it into a business context in a moment. So um, I was, I think I've told you, Sky, that was very close to my grandfather. And one, it was quite a treat uh, for, he had five grandchildren, quite a treat when we were 
given an opportunity to spend the night uh, or the weekend, basically, at grandma and grandpa's. And uh, in the summer, one of my grandfather's favorite hobbies was fishing. And so you'd get dropped off um, on Saturday morning and we spend some time with, you know, hanging out and with the idea that we were going to go fishing on Sunday. And Papa always started a conversation about fishing with this question. Uh, what kind of fish are we going to go fishing for? Ah, uh, right, right. Because, right. That's the very first question. Of course, I'm four years old. I'm thinking the kind that tastes good. But the point, the point being here is we, Sunday, my, you know, my parents and siblings are going to be showing back up and other members of the family are going to be showing back up. We're going to be eating what we catch. So we got to get enough of them. But what kind of fish are going to go fishing for determines everything else, right? It determines what kind of equipment you're going to need, what kind of bait, where you're going to go fishing. It might even determine what time of day, where on the shore you're going to be if you're going in the shore in the boat. Some fish like to be closer to the land. Others are out in the middle of the water. Some prefer, you know, you're better off getting in the morning. Some are more in the afternoon. These are lots of implications. Well, this is really true of marketing, right? Going fishing for customers. It's the same idea, right? So if you envision, you know, for We've your- We've seen this with pitches. Yep. We'll have a great pitch and we'll give it to the team but they're, you know, they're pitching owners at small businesses, which are very different than marketing directors at large businesses as far as the approach. And yeah, you, you just, you've got the wrong bait for that particular fish, basically. Exactly. Exactly. The wrong, you know, so if you don't have the right bait, but it's not even that. It's even knowing where to put the line in, line in right? So if you're yep. thinking about marketing and sales, if we're doing the upstream right to your point earlier, it makes everything downstream, which is marketing and sales more effective and more efficient. So try to kind of continuing on with that sort of story. You you know, I, I did not like worms. I was not a big worm fan. So the fish that we tended to go for when I was uh, in the mix on that weekend were fish that liked dough bait. So grandma would make the dough bait. We'd get all the gear, right? We'd put it in the Rambler, pack it all up. In the morning, we'd get up. I'd get my thermos of hot chocolate and Papa got his thermos of coffee and we got all the other stuff together and we would drive out to where we were going to go. Back that? to that bait. Is, is that the bait that looks like caviar? <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends on what grandma puts in it, right? So, uh, yes, caviar. That's interesting. Um, Growing up, I, I we would fish every once in a while. We had the little caviar eggs he'd put in a little kind of fishing back and that was one of the bait things you could use and then later in life I'm, I'm married to a woman from Ukraine now and we would go over to, to their house and they had the red caviar and I was like this looks exactly like what we would buy at the bait shop <laughs> said, we would fish yeah. with this stuff are you kidding me but uh, that was my connection and then I tasted it and it's, it's delicious so there's no wonder you catch fish with that stuff yeah, exactly. So, but it's back to the story, but you're exactly right. You know, we get to where we're going to go fishing and we get out. And what's the first thing that, you know, pop, the next thing Papa asks me is, where are we going to fish? Right? So you're looking, what are you doing? You're looking around at the competition. Like, where are they fishing? Do you want to be where they are? Do you want to be not where they are? Again, back to where the fish like to be. So we go get our spot, uh, pick it out. We bait our hooks. We cast our lines. And of course, what do we do? We're, we're waiting. So we'll kind of continue that story on. But if you think about it from a business perspective, 
Here's the kinds of questions we often hear the CEO, um, the COO, and presidents of companies ask us. They ask us, what segment should we go after? What customers? How do we get access to them? What is value to the customer? What's value? What? Who is loyal? Who is at risk? How can we improve retention? What new solutions should we bring to the market? How do we accelerate adoption of our solutions or our products? Which existing markets and customers should we grow and how do we do it? How do we get new customers? Where do we get them? Which of our customers are predispositioned to purchase some of our other products and what will they buy or how likely are they to buy them? And then how can we reduce how, how long it takes them to buy from us and how can we improve the win rate? Every single one of those questions is upstream questions and they're all marketing questions. That's all narrowing down your audience. The where are you going to target them? The what are you going to use to target them? How are you going to approach them? All that kind of stuff. I guess I've seen this with people who, um, you know, they want to go to particular events or they want to try to sell the people on LinkedIn. And they, one of the biggest mistakes I've seen in this area, I think, is when people say, my target audience is here, so I'm going to go sell to them here. And what they don't realize is the target audience isn't there to be sold to. Um, you know, you see some of these things with, uh, you know, maybe LinkedIn groups is a good example of them. You'll have a LinkedIn group and everybody there is, is there to sell everybody else there. Nobody's there to be sold to. And people think these guys all look great, except for they're not, that's not what they're there for. Yes. And I hear, so I think you're bringing up the, the starting point. The starting point in doing this well is segmentation, right? Looking for those meaningful differences. So back to an, a, a, you know, a personal example, I think you might remember that I spent um, about, you know, spent 14 years in the semiconductor industry. Right. And when I, when I uh, first joined uh, the company, uh, we went to a lot of uh, trade shows called things like Semicon and Westcon and Northcon. And many of those trade shows were just other semiconductor companies talking to each other. And I said, but that's not who's what we're really, who we really want to sell to. We need to think about our segments differently. Yeah, they're all engineers. We're selling to engineers, design engineers, but they're not all potentially the same. And so one of the things that we, our first form of segmentation, which is a very common first form of segmentation, was industry, vertical industry segmentation, right? So we said, right. oh, you know, we kind of have these key segments. We have the computing industry. We have the consumer electronics industry. We have the communications industry. We have the transportation industry. And our products are used differently in those industries, even though they might be the same kind of semiconductor and they're all being designed in by engineers. That kind of segmentation completely shifted the way we looked at our business, right? Because now we're really paying attention to those specific customers, their specific needs and requirements, their app specific applications, right? Because think about the, the differences. If you're putting a semiconductor or a microcontroller inside a car, you kind of really have to think about the temperature extremes that that car is going to be living in. But if you're going to try to put it in a cell phone, well, now you're dealing about with really small real estate. I mean, those are small handheld devices. You don't have the same kind of real estate to be able to put chips on. So your integration has to be different. When you're thinking about the phones of today, think about how much, what the functionality is of that phone today compared to a phone 
um, in the 80s and 90s. I mean, a phone in the 80s and 90s was a phone, a mobile phone. Today, you have a smart device that you're watching videos and listening to this kind of a podcast and doing your email and, you know, um, texting to your friends and family. We didn't have to think about the amazing amount of innovation that has occurred on that device um, as as customers have wanted more functionality, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's driving growth. That that has been driving growth, and that's an example of innovation and really understanding what customers want. And sometimes maybe not even knowing um, what but the customers themselves might not even know what they want sometimes. So being able to really get a handle on uh, what how how to anticipate and what the future will be. I mean, one of the most uh, amazing things that's going on that we all know about right now is artificial intelligence and creating autonomous vehicles. I mean, who would have thought we would want vehicles that didn't that were driven without but not driven by people? But that's right. Even science fiction only got to that recently. That's right. And here we are. We're you know we're. We're in that space today, and that's innovation. That's organic growth, and that's really, you know, again, back to upstream marketing. Where is, what are the market trends? What are the implications to which industries? How is that going to help drive innovation, right? How will we connect with the where, – where will we connect and who will we need to connect with first to, drink, to, bring a, to accelerate adoption of that innovation in the marketplace? So what are we looking at? We're looking – I mean, today there's already – cargo ships out in oceans that are moving cargo that have no crew. Yeah, that kind of stuff is amazing. I I mean, the artificial intelligence, all of that kind of stuff is just mind-boggling. Yeah, totally. And, and yet, that's growth. That's organic growth and taking innovation and marketing and, and seeing where there are opportunities uh, to uh, use technology, if in this instance, to propel growth. And that occurred as a result of what is upstream marketing, right? What that's where strategy is. So if you're thinking again about organic growth and upstream marketing, what you're really thinking about is strategy. So first is segmentation. That's the first thing um, this, uh, that you have to have. And then the second, obviously, clear thing, and you have to have innovation. That's the second thing. And then the third thing is you have to have strategy. And I, we don't just mean, you know, strategy, um, again, back to upstream and downstream. Strategy is very different in the upstream than it is in the downstream of marketing. When we think of strategy and downstream marketing, people are thinking about their content strategy, right? Or they're thinking about uh, their uh, uh, campaign strategy or maybe their influencer strategy. Like we're hearing about all of those things. That's all in the downstream. But strategy in the upstream of marketing is much different. It's really about making those strategic choices and decisions about where you're going to invest the limited resources you have, the bets you're going to make, the, which customer sets you're going to bet on, existing customer sets, which mark, new emerging markets are you going to bet on. So you can't do it all. We've yet to meet any company, and this may there may be somebody out there, but we've yet to meet any company who can do it all. So they need upstream marketing to help them make the right choices. And that, again, that comes back to, you know, marketing really having a pulse on where the markets are going and where customers are going and getting insights and understanding um, 
overall directions of their customers' growth, their own customers' growth, so that they can be in play at the right time. Because, you know, I think when, again, back one of the best stories I ever heard about uh, to help people understand strategy is a story uh, that Jack Welch uh, would talk about um, that, you know, strategy and the rose bush, right? You have this mm-hmm. beautiful rose bush that you want to grow and you have a vision of what it's going to look like as it grows. And in order for it to uh, uh, achieve that vision, uh, you need to make ch- these choices. First of all, when there's dead stuff, you have to be willing to cut it off. Uh, sometimes uh, there are things that are just not flourishing very well. They're not dead, but they're not flourishing and they're not adding um, their, to the to the bush of, you know, they're taking energy away from the bush. And so you you cut it off. And sometimes you even have to cut off healthy things that are doing well and blooming well and are beautiful, but they're, again, they're not contributing to the overall vision of the bush. And so you cut it off. This is strategy. Well, that's marketing too, right? Marketing being able, that upstream marketing of coming back to the business and playing a strategic role in understanding the choices the business needs to make in order to achieve its vision and its mission in the, in the market. And I guess that you have to make choices. I, I've seen companies seem to go one way or the other where they, they think they're going to do everything or they limit down to this is the only thing we're doing. Like, And, and it's, you know, when times are good, it's like, we're going to do everything. We're going to be everywhere, do everything all the time. They don't limit their industries. They don't limit the events they go to. They, they do so little limiting. And then all of a sudden times are tough and it's, okay, we're doing none of this stuff. We're only doing this one thing. And I guess that's uh, the, the extreme and maybe not well-guided version of, uh, of that strategizing. Well, yes. And so to your point, th- those are extremes on the continuum. But if you don't have good upstream marketing and whittling it back to the one thing, right, as opposed to being sure that you're working on the right things. So that takes you sort of to the next key component of being able to do upstream marketing well is, you know, I'm going to emphasize takes really good data and analytics. It takes really a, a marketing organization that um, is thinking strategically and is aligning itself to the business. So downstream marketing is about aligning to sales, but upstream marketing is about aligning to the business. So to your point earlier, right. if you don't get the upstream right, then you have no fish at the downstream because you're not in the right place. You might be somewhere, yep. but there's the fish you want aren't there. So then you're left with whatever you can get, right? But if you or you've got your uh, you've got your door, the explorer fishing rod, and you're out doing deep sea fishing, and it's just not going to give you any results, right? Or what you're going to bring home isn't going to be the kind of thing that you were hoping to bring home. I want to take a break here. After the break, can we speak a little bit to maybe some of the MarTech that people might use for some of these areas or some specific um, solutions to to some of this, maybe running through a, spe- a scenario for the segmentation, innovation, strategy, data and analytics? I think I got it all there. Um, Let's uh, let's speak to that a little bit, specifically the Martech, and not not necessarily every area is going to have this. Um, so you're the expert. Don't let me force feed you uh, having to fit something in that doesn't. But um, any specific Martechs people might want to look at for some of these things uh, as well as strategies. So keep that in mind. Don't answer now. But when we come back after the break, um, let's uh, let's talk about that. Did you know that eighty percent of successes are driven by mindset? 
Jamie Crosby helps forward-thinking companies of all sizes optimize their sales by teaching their people to develop and maintain a peak performance mindset. Give your team the mental tools they need to break through obsolete barriers, improve team dynamics, and generate the high-impact behaviors that propel companies forward year after year by going to jamiecrosby.com. Hi, welcome back. This is uh, Sky Cassidy on The Elephant Test. I'm here today with uh, Laura Patterson. After the break, um, Laura, before the break, I'd asked you about MarTech in upstream marketing and any uh, any specific techniques or MarTech that we could use up there. Can you speak to that a little bit? I'd love to. So I think uh, you know if we go back to distinguishing marketing upstream from downstream, one of the things that I, I, I like to highlight is that downstream is really lead gen and upstream is really demand gen. We often use those words interchangeably, but they're not. Demand with a capital D happens in the upstream. Lead gen, the stuff that puts things into your pipeline, happens in the downstream. And so the MarTech uh, suites today are excellent tools to support the downstream, right? We've got CRM systems. We've got marketing automation systems. Um, you know, we have all different kinds of uh, sales, uh, Salesforce automation systems, lots of different kinds. Uh, we've got uh, uh, marketing resource management systems. I mean, just about an acronym for just about every kind of aspect of marketing in the downstream. But in the upstream, they're more limited. Those really are different, uh, different kind of uh, tools and technology like business intelligence platforms would be really there and model development platforms would fall in the upstream. And so that takes me to the, the part that I think is most important for people who want to sink their teeth into upstream marketing is they have to get really good at analytics and looking for those patterns and building models. So we talked a little bit about the fact that they're customer centric. Um, we, we've talked about the fact that they do really good segmentation, that they uh, are awesome at, at data and analytics, and they need that in order to build out really good libraries. And uh, we find that best-in-class marketing organizations that are really good at the upstream at answering those kinds of questions and helping drive strategic decisions have a, a model library. They have like 12 key models in this library. Um, and so I'd like to suggest that this would be something for our, our listeners to look at and say, do we have these models? And if we don't, should we go about getting these models? So the very first one is the segmentation model. How does your organization make segmentation model decisions? Uh, we like to recommend you know, using what we call fit and behavior uh, criteria to look at segmentation, but it's not the only way. So you want to be able to have seg go after segments where you have the greatest uh, opportunity and the best accessibility. So if you're thinking about opportunity and accessibility on your axes, what might your model look like? So segmentation model should be like a very, very basic model in every um, company's uh, organization. Now out of segmentation come persona models. We've been talking a lot about personas, as you know, Sky, there's been lots written on that. And buying- So is the persona, when you say persona, is that the person or the company or both? So personas are typically at the, a uh, buyer, recommender, influencer level. So let's say you have a, um, a, a, a a device or a solution that's being sold into a market. 
uh, let's say you have a uh, you're, you're a medical device company and you're selling in uh, into the healthcare industry. You would have be your vertical uh, verticals might be you know clinics and you might have then regional hospitals and then you might have these large enterprise um, corporate type of hospitals, right? Those would be different kinds of segments, for example, in the healthcare. And then inside those segments would be buyers like the hospital administrators, the procurement people, and, and maybe the clinical staff. Let's just, and, and of course, there's patients too. So those would be kind of examples of functions or roles. But then you might want to think about the persona, the persona of a hospital administrator might be different depending. So you might have personas who of uh, a hospital administrator who wants to be on sort of leading edge and, you know, be doing the latest innovations, whereas there might be other, or maybe that's a, a good example of a, of a clinical staff. And then there might be other clinicians who really like, you know, tried and proven and, and true and, you know, familiarity, right? So those would be different personas as an example. And would example. you say maybe uh, one of those groups would tend to attend a certain type of event or something like that and another wouldn't or is that the kind of segment is that how you're kind of segmenting them out so saying people doing this are likely to be this um well eventually so that's a great question so eventually that would lead you into your buying customer buying journey model so how do uh those folks who are pioneers willing to be pioneers and try new things and and experiment how would they go about doing their buying process different from those who like the tried, proven, familiar, right? So even though they're both might be FDA approved and both um, have passed, you know, all the clinical trials and have really good data, there would be potentially different buying journeys. Uh, they would need different touch points. So that would be a, an example of a touch point allocation model. You know, for example, some might prefer um, the, the uh, tried and true might actually prefer more referral base, you know, their own community and what their own community recommends and refers and uses, as opposed to what maybe a, a more pioneering staff might look at. So again, that you'd be looking at these kinds of models. So segmentation, persona, uh, buying process, touch point, pricing models, a basic part, right? Pricing models, that would be upstream. Right. Um, New product development models, whether you're using a stage gate process or, or some other model, uh, that would be upstream. Often you wouldn't hear a downstream marketing talking about new product development modeling, right? That, that wouldn't be something they would be thinking about. But upstream, for sure. Um, predisposition to purchase models. So which of our customer segments are most likely to buy X? Um, or if we, produce, if we were to make Y, which of our existing customers would be most predisposed to why? That kind of is a, an example of a predisposition to purchase model. Uh, it begins to span, you know, bridge that upstream and downstream. But here's one like likelihood to defect or customer risk models, very much in the upstream. We all know uh, it's more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to keep one. Uh, you can get, you know, you have better opportunities to grow share of wallet among existing customers, to turn existing customers into advocates, to grow your referral base, which are very important to organic growth. So that means you need to be managing customer risk. Um, so that's a lot different than just looking at a net promoter score. That's really a different kind of modeling. And then portfolio management. That's back to understanding the portfolio of services and solutions and customer sets and which things 
uh, go with which one's best. And at what point is the product, you know, life cycle ready uh, to be shifted? And what does that abs- you know, mean in the market? Um, and so those kinds of questions are models are really examples of things that would be in the library of a company that has a commitment to upstream marketing. Excellent. So if a company just to, I'm going to try to distill it down a little bit. If a company wanted to, you know, have a couple different models, like you're saying, I think you said ideally they'd have what, 12 models, something like that. Yep. I listed 12. There's 12. Okay. If they wanted to do a really simple, like let's have a couple models and say it started with three models, or would you recommend that's not, I guess, is there no models or you go straight to 12 or can you have different amounts? No, I think you'd build on them. And the very first one I, I would think about having as a segmentation model. Right. I think that's really important. And then personas, because once you have a personas, you can begin to see how that's going to percolate into other things you do. And then on um, new product development models. I mean, you can't really grow without innovation. I mean, innovation is a fundamental to long to growth, long term sustainable growth. So I think if I had those three in my in my library to start with, I'd be off to a pretty good start. Okay, good, good. Because we were getting pretty deep there, and I thought, ah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get um, overwhelmed. I'm sure the audience is. I want it simple. So, so we've got segmentation. What was number two again? Personas. Personas, right? And then new product development are kind of three yeah. simple. You can boil down to that with your, and then build on top of that. Now, when you're building on top of that, is that going to be kind of? Um, more refined versions of those three, or are you adding on whole other categories of, uh, of models? Eventually there'll be other categories like pricing models would be kind of separate and customer risk models, right? Those are all kind of separate, but here's the way to think about your segmentation, persona, MPD, and all of these models. So what I'm, when we're talking about growth, we're talking about revenue, right? And one of the things that, you know, there's an old saying, uh, you can't save your way to revenue, right? right. If you remember hearing that saying, Sky? Yep. Yep. Sounds right. right. That's my excuse yes. all the time when I go shopping. <laughs> Somehow I don't think exactly. it works in that direction, but. Yes. Well, there is an old saying, you cannot save your way to revenue. So companies that we work with who are looking at operational excellence or commercial excellence, they have a tendency to look at processes that are going to drive efficiencies. And what, if you're back to upstream marketing, you're really looking at processes that are going to drive growth and revenue. Right, right. So where if we invest a lot in here, we're going to get a much bigger return basically than if we just kind of, you know, try to hold every penny and go make some sales kind of a model. That's right. And in fact, research that was done by um, Ru- uh, Roland Russ, Christine Mormon, and Peter Dixon many years ago looked at the uh, what, what, whether it made a difference where you focus in terms of operational excellence. And they found that companies who addressed what we call revenue or growth-oriented processes was statistically significant in impacting both financial and customer relationship performance. In fact, they got a one year uh, ahead of their colleagues, positive impact or return on assets and stock returns. So I'm talking about money now. I'm actually talking about not just revenue, but money. Whereas companies who focus on those cost management processes or who try to do both actually had no impact on either financial results or customer relationship results. So. 
that it, what I guess I'm trying to say here is if you're going to think about the upstream and you're going to think about how you are going to look at that and operate that, operationalize that internally, it means you're looking at your growth processes versus your uh, cost uh, saving processes. So growth processes are anything that's going to help you acquire customers, help you retain customers, and help you grow customers. And they're very externally oriented. And my recommendation would be, uh, as a final point here, in addition to the things we talked about from an upstream marketing would be for your marketing organization to make sure that they have really well-oiled growth processes in place so that uh, acquisition, retention, growth processes, so those are humming right along. Right. I guess something that I i wasn't connecting here before, but when you talk about upstream, downstream, we've really got the hunter-gatherer kind of uh, model, and then you have the farming model. I mean, one is you're you're planting your seeds and they're going to pay off. Uh, and then the other one, the downstream is kind of constantly hunter-gatherer type of a setup. And uh, something something that I, I was thinking of that's uh, that's come up here before as well, you know, when it when it comes to lead gen, people that's the immediate result people want. And I've seen a lot of small companies that you know we'll talk to sometimes. And we didn't have our segmentation on. We we're talking to a lot of small companies, and they would frequently tell us, oh, "We don't need data." You know, Mountaintop Data. That's the the company that the, that I run. Um, we don't need data. We just have our sales guys go online and find the people they need to talk to, and they they're on LinkedIn and stuff like that. And I think that's basically that company has no upstream marketing then. They just have salespeople doing the direct downstream stuff. Uh, and those companies, it's just not a scalable type thing. Those companies never grow to be big companies. You can't really institute growth with that kind of a model. You you really have to go into the planting long-term seeds uh, kind of a thing, but it takes more investment. So they would say, we don't want to spend a couple of dollars on, you know, on a data foundation for these guys to reach out to. We'll just have them do the work. Um, so I, I guess it's that overcoming that initial investment that's in, that's needed for the upstream that pays off greater, but it pays off later also. There's some real truth to that. And, and to your point, the people who are into sales now, right, fill the pipeline with leads or whatever the language might be. I mean, yes, that's a very downstream focus. And it's a, it's a reflection of their culture. So upstream marketing can only thrive in uh, in companies that have a growth culture, right? Because they really are customer focused. They're really about optimizing the customer experience. They're really about customer insights and competitive intelligence. Um, they are all about fostering a learning organization, an adaptive organization. They prize data, uh, right? So if 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 you look at those kinds of growth cultures then upstream marketing can survive in that. If you don't have a growth culture, uh, it would be more challenging uh, for an, a person who is committed to upstream marketing and believes in upstream marketing to thrive in that environment. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I may have mentioned it before in this podcast, but I've, I remember back in the day I had a customer that left the company they were at and they told me when they went to the new company and reached out solely for the purpose that their new company or their old company um, wouldn't, purchase the data they needed to do their job. Uh, you know, they, they wanted them to do basically a lot more short-term stuff and just get, get something now. And they said, you know, I was constantly bugging them about this, this data we had and having them buy the data. And eventually the guy just left and he said, Hey, if, if the company I'm working for isn't willing to do the, 
you know, I, I didn't know the term then, but the upstream stuff that needs to be done in order to have success as a marketer, the guy just left. He said, I got to go to a company that has the culture, has the desire to do these practices that really need to be done for, like you said, for growth. I think you bring up a really good point. And so for your listeners uh, on the marketing side who believe in that their part of their job is the upstream, they now can have a, a context or a framework to have that conversation in both internally where they are today and potentially where they may end up going. But it's also a really good thing for the C-suite inside a company to say, okay, we have these questions about, and we really think we want to do growth, but we're not really doing any upstream marketing. We have a disconnect internally in our culture. What are we going to do to fix that, right? So this, I'm hoping that this conversation will give them pause internally to say, okay, are we predisposed and we do have a growth culture. We do believe in upstream, upstream marketing. So maybe what we needed to be thinking about is, do we have the right components in place? Do we have those models? Have we done the analytics? Do we have the insights? Insights? Are we focused on the right processes? Have we got the segmentation nailed? Then because those would be the action steps for that kind of a company. So companies with the culture and upstream marketing capabilities would be doing the latter. Companies that are focused on the downstream, you know, that aren't ready to think about the upstream need to recognize what their limitations are going to be in terms of growth, right? So that's kind of a way to think about it. Yeah, I guess I'd say one of the things that uh, maybe to use fear as a motivator here for people who the upstream sounds like it's not, um, you know, something they need to be looking at. They, again, they're really focused on the lead gen. Um, it seems to me that without enough focus on the upstream marketing, you're really just waiting for a big shift that you're not aware of to to put you out of business. That you know, if you if you're not looking at things, you know, like new product development and stuff like that, if you don't know, your industry is going to change. Industries are changing all the time, and there's going to be a little shift, and you're not going to adjust with it. You're going to be doing the same marketing. You're going to be doing, you know, you're going to be hunter gathering, and winter's going to come, and you're out, kind of. Um, some some little change happens and you just haven't done the groundwork. You haven't done the long-term planning to, to survive it or even see it's come until it's too late. Absolutely. I mean, I, uh, and you know, I think here's an example. Have you seen some of the uh, new uh, Verizon commercials by any chance? So they have, they have a couple and one that's really interesting, right? You think of Verizon, you think of them as a cell cellular phone company, right? Right. But that's not what they're what they're talking about in their commercials and some of their other content. They're talking about smart highways, for example. Exactly. Companies pivoting. They're, they 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 see what's coming and they pivot. It's the automobile industry not uh, pivoting to technology or even to making great cars here in the U.S. for 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 too long. It's you know getting entrenched in how you're doing things now. I, I, that's where I guess small companies have a bit of an advantage. They can pivot faster, but you do see larger companies pivoting more nowadays. Where they say this industry is changing. If we don't change with it, we're going to be the next Kodak, the next. I mean, in the recent news, Toys R Us. Um, these are huge companies. There's no reason they should go out of business, except for unwillingness to change. Or maybe it's not even unwillingness. Just again, they're. They're not thinking back to the upstream. They're not looking at that bigger picture. They're not uh, paying attention to some of those important market signals. Uh, they're not paying attention or gathering the kind of right kind of competitive intelligence. Uh, they're, they're, they're not paying attention to changes in their market segments. So these are all different implications that potentially might be the implica uh, reasons 
Um, and so the, all of which are related to upstream marketing. Yeah, I think I've got a much better view of, uh, of how all this stuff's going on now with the uh, upstream downstream. Now, initially, I'd, I'd said upstream downstream we were going to talk about. And I think maybe it's just too, it's hard to mention one without the other. Really, I'm going to have to change the name here to upstream because that's really what we're talking about is, is focusing on the upstream aspect of this stuff. Um, you've covered a handful of things. We've got uh, segmentation, innovation, strategy, data and analytics, models, a couple different types of models we've drilled into. Um, is there anything else in particular that we, we haven't got to yet that we're leaving out on, on the big picture of upstream marketing? No, and the other one that we added at the end of that was um, operations, right? Operational excellence, focusing on growth processes. So to your point about strategy, so data analytics, insights into the market, strategy, segmentation, the growth processes, those are, are, are all really in, uh, important. So I guess I'd say before we wrap it up, I'd like, do you, can you give people a couple tips for some of these areas, some things to look at, some things to watch out for, uh, that kind of stuff? Well, sure. Uh, I think that you have to have a plan. <laughs> if you just go off and do this, it'll probably be frustrating. So if this is something people want to do, you kind of need to step back and say, we really want to em embrace more upstream marketing in our organization to drive growth. What's our plan to do that? If we have a lot of upstream marketing, then the question would be, you know, do we have all of the components in place to be successful with it? So two different kinds of questions. Or ultimately making the decision that says, we're not ready to do that at all. We're going to stay focused on the downstream part of marketing, but we need to have a plan for at what point in time are we going to put our toes in the water, so to speak, of upstream marketing. So first thing, you have to be, I think, adaptive. You have to, have to think about your culture and be have a learning culture that will be willing to adapt, and that means being willing to experiment. I think that's important. So what kind of experiments could we do that we can do fast-fail that isn't going to put us out of business that we can learn from? So I think that would be a tip. Uh, I think, you know, being customer centric, changing maybe how you're measuring your marketing um, so that it's got more customer centric performance metrics uh, and more customer centric models, less, mo less models around just the pipeline, more models around customer and customer centric. And then uh, building that analytics muscle. We all can continue to do that. Even, you know, the the most sophisticated uh, companies that we work with, and we work with some amazing companies, are building out better models. So I think, you know, actionable patterns to improve uh, customer experience and business performance. Um, so those would be my, my tips. Excellent. Well, it's been great having you on today, Laura. I think there's probably still, I know we at least still have downstream to cover on this subject. Um, we really... Uh, tour through the upstream marketing aspect of stuff. We're going to have a lot of this on the show notes for this as well on the elephantest.com. If you guys want to reach out to Laura, she can be reached at uh, Laura VEM uh, on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Twitter at Laura VEM. Is that right, Laura? Yes, at Laura VEM. Excellent. And then the website, Vision Edge Marketing, you can find her on LinkedIn as well. Laura, anywhere else you want to throw people to? And they can send us an email at laurap at visionedgemarketing.com. Always welcome hearing from folks. I hope they'll leave comments um, and uh, would really love to hear, you know, if they are doing upstream marketing, how it's working for them, if they're struggling getting there, what their plans are, you know, anything that would, you know, help each other, help all of us help our companies uh, be more successful in the marketplace. That's awesome. Thanks for coming on today, Laura. That'll be it for the elephant test today. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you very much for having me, Sky. It's been a pleasure. 
A quick word from our sponsor. Effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high-quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, we're sure to have the contacts you need. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. Check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.